If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Romans chapter 6, and I'll be there in just a second. Romans chapter 6. I want to talk about, uh, continuing on about the flesh and uh, the flesh's sins. Uh, when we left last Sunday, after I preached that message, Bob Shalato said, you didn't leave me anything else to do. <laughs> after I went through that list of sins. <laughs> so... <laughs> He said, there's nothing left to do. So I thought that was good. But uh, we see how capable the flesh is and how it's just full of sin and it's part of our body, our flesh. And it's always there. But thank God when you get saved, you also receive a new nature. And that helps you to combat that old fleshly nature, doesn't it? And it's a real battle inside of us and that's why I want to talk about a subject this morning. It's kind of hard to understand, but I hope you'll bear with me, and I hope that it makes sense by the time we come to its conclusion, okay? And uh, it's called being dead to sin. Being dead to sin. How in the world can I defeat this flesh that always seems like it has more victory in my life than it should, for sure? And so uh, I've been there, I understand. I still fight the flesh today, and it's a real battle at times. It's when we come to faith in Christ, and when we mean that, there are a number of things that take place. Uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 10, you know it well. It is written, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one, right? Uh, there's no righteous person on this earth. A lot of people trying to work their way to heaven ain't going to heaven, <laughs> Because nobody's righteous. Our righteousness are as filthy rags, right? And then he states this in verse 23. It's all inclusive for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. None of us measure up to what God demands for us to be able to enter heaven one day. And that is perfection. There's nobody perfect. But when you get in Christ, you become perfect in him. That's why we're allowed to be able to go to heaven one day. And then he says something that's very interesting. He says, verse 23, for the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What a difference. There's death and there's life. How is that possible? Well, it states in Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, that's the answer. The answer is God loved us so much, he doesn't want to see anybody go to hell. So he's provided the remedy for our sin, his son. And his son on an old rugged cross died for our sins, for your sins, for my sins, all our sins. And, uh, and he did that just because he loves us. We didn't deserve it. That's, where, that's why it's called grace. <laughs> and then he says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart, not just the head knowledge, with the heart, your inner being, the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so it's when you come to the conclusion then, yes, I, I've been a good sinner, <laughs> But I see what Christ, who he is, what he's done for me. And I believe he died for my sins, was buried, and he rose. He's alive today. And 
for me, it doesn't matter what anybody else, but for me, I believe that. And I am telling God right now, I believe in his son's finished work is enough to save me. And when you put your faith in that gospel message, it's at that moment that God saves you. Now, with that, it says this, as I wrote this down, God has saved us from the penalty of sin. God has saved us from the penalty of sin. That's called justification. God declared in heaven, we now have a right standing before him. And uh, we've been justified. We have a just standing before Almighty God the moment that you get saved. Romans 4.25 says this, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification, making us right before God. So God has saved us from the penalty of sin, but also God is saving us from the power of sin. That's called sanctification, being a set apart to holiness. God comes in, lives inside of us, and he works there to try to make us more like Christ, right? Philippians 2.13 says this here. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. When he saves us, he comes and dwells in us and he works in us trying to get us to put off the old man and put on the new man. That's called sanctification, being set apart to God's holiness. So I've been saved from the penalty of sin, justification. God is saving me from the power of sin, that's sanctification. And then God will save us from the presence of sin. That's called glorification. What he starts, he will finish it one day. Uh, it states in Philippians uh, 2.13, being confident of this very thing, I, I should say it's uh, 1.6, yeah. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So God tells me one day I will be a finished product. As the old saying goes, God's not finished with me yet, thank God. He still has some time, I hope, that he can find to me so that when I stand before him, I can not be so ashamed. Amen? How about you? You know, a lot of people say, oh, I'm going to heaven, it's going to be great. You know, we get to heaven, we have to answer for the way we lived. <laughs> you know, we won't ever go to hell, thank God, but we have to answer. And, uh, and a lot of loss of rewards will be a result for many of us for not living fully to God's glory. Now, these things are true. How do I know that? Because the Word of God teaches that. For us to have victory over our flesh we need to know a few things. Romans chapter 6 teaches that when we're saved, we're identified with Christ by being in Christ. I've said many times, the Spirit of God takes you out of Adam and places you into Christ. We're in Christ now. Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized, and by the way, that's not water baptism, this is spirit baptism. 
water can't place you into Christ, but the Spirit can. Baptized into Jesus, Christ, we're baptized, so on. There we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. That there is just telling us it was the Spirit of God who baptized us or who placed us into Christ. And get this, when we're placed into Christ, his history becomes our history. Now that's a great little phrase right there. When I am in Christ, his history becomes my history. What do you mean by that? He died, I died. He was buried, I was buried. He rose, I rose. He ascended, I'm seated on the right hand of the Father in Christ. His history becomes my history now because I'm in Christ. Now, that's my and your position if you're a child of God. That's our position in Christ now, okay? But also we need to know some things about our practice. Uh, verse 3 of chapter 6 says this. Verse 3, know ye not. Verse 6, knowing this. Verse 9, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. You see, God wants us to know some things so that we can live for him. Does that make sense? If you don't know, you won't live. Okay? That's important. So he gives us something to do in verse 11. Romans chapter 6, verse 11. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God. Now, that word right there, reckon, that's saying, listen, there's a truth he wants us to get a hold of, and it's the fact that we are dead to sin. Reckon means to regard, to take these truths into account and to believe them. What are these truths? We have died, we've been buried, we've been raised in the person of Christ. Okay? It's that we acknowledge what God has done to and for us. Then believing and accepting the word of God, it says we're in Christ, so we know that, but we then, now don't miss it, we then take a course of action to put that position that we have in Christ into our practice. If I'm in Christ, it ought to be in my life. Amen? If I'm in Christ, that ought to be in my life. That's what he wants. So that word reckon means more than acknowledgement. Reckon goes beyond acknowledgement. The word teaches we believe it's a fact. Then we purpose by making the decision that that's the basis 
we live our life from. We live our life from the fact that we are dead to sin. We are to live that truth out in our life. Romans 6, 1 and 2 says this here. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Now get this. How shall we, we that are saved, that are what? Dead to sin, live any longer therein. We are dead to sin. We have to move. Now get this. We have to move our thinking of our justified position of being saved to thinking more of our godly practice. Some and probably most believers always remain at the level of salvation. And they hardly ever add to their faith. They hardly ever grow, mature more in the word of God. They're just happy and satisfied. Their sins were forgiven. They're a child of God. They're on the way to heaven. That's all there is to life. When in reality, God said, you missed the whole thing here. (laughs) There's more to it than just being saved. It's understanding that God did much more than just justifying us, than just saving us to eternal life. God says, because now of our identity in his son, he also has set us apart to holiness and a godly lifestyle for his purpose. Now, being dead to sin, it's more than a phrase or just words. It's a life lived out in fact and reality. If we refuse to let sin reign in our body, that's what God wants. It means it's godly living in the details of our life. We've learned that living godly, scripturally, what God says correctly, now don't miss this, attacks our flesh's sins. And our sin doesn't like that. Did you hear that? You see, that's proven by how it fights against us when we try to live godly. There's an internal war in us. When I want to live for truth and not live for the world, the flesh, or the devil, and what the world's culture is saying to me today, and I'm trying to live for God, my sinful flesh rises up and tries to prevent that from taking place. Amen? But that's what separating to God's ways does. I like this. I read this. I thought it was great. It takes the battle to our flesh's sins (laughs) when I try to live for God. It takes the battle right there. The moment you get saved, you're not holy roller. You got a lot of sinful habits. You got a lot of garbage in your life. And the process begins. And the Spirit of God and the Word of God begins to minister to us and we try to push these things out, and oh, how our flesh fights us. Huh? 
It doesn't you? Boy, it does me. <laughs> Man, it's a battle sometimes, isn't it? Huh? Christ already won the battle against sin, but sin is always trying to reclaim territory it has lost. Sin is in our members, it's in our flesh, it's in our body, it is the enemy. So we have an enemy within us, and we also have an enemy without us. That's the temptations from Satan's evil policy. The world, the flesh, the devil, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, all these things. But I've learned something, that through the word of God, it's power. Through the Holy Spirit, it's power. And through grace and its power, when sin comes, lust comes, we'll be able to do what Titus 2.12 says. Titus 2.12 says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. It means that now I can deny that fleshly sin that wants to be active in my life at that moment. I remember when I quit smoking. I knew I couldn't be, I got saved, and I knew I couldn't be a good testimony before God. Now, I loved to smoke then, especially after a meal. You think about it, give me a cigarette right now, okay? Now, notice. I love to smoke. And, uh, you know, you go, <laughs> boy, that's good. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And so I'm trying to live for Christ. Man, the flesh just kept coming, said, go back to it. You need it. You crave it. You love it. And boy, was it a battle. But the more I was in the Word, the more I was in trying to serve God, the more I could say no to that until finally I broke its habit in my life. And so sometimes it is a battle like that, isn't it? We need to understand we're no longer who we used to be, the old man. God says because we're in Christ, we're different now. We're a new man. We might not feel new, but we are according to the word of God. So what are you going to believe? Romans 6, 4 again says this here. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the power or glory of the Father, even so, even so we also should walk in newness of life. I'm not the old person I used to be. I, I was taking inventory the other day, and I, I feel like sometimes I beat myself up because I feel like I, I fail the Lord too much. You ever feel that way? And I, I feel that way at times. And when I, and I was, but then I looked where I came from, and I, and I began to realize all the wonderful things God has done in my life to help change me about so much and all I could do was praise God. I'm no longer the old man. As a matter of fact, God's given me a new name. I'm a saint. You are too if you're saved. Amen. We don't have to wait until after we die and they vote on you. 
just means you're a saint right now to the saints at Corinth. Now think that through. You, you talk about having fleshly problems, Corinth. But he called them saints. That's who we are now. So, okay, I'm new. What should I do now? Well, now, since I know I have a body that came from Adam, I know it's going to die, and it's not suited for eternal life. That's why it has to be shed. But at the rapture, I'll have a glorified body. Romans 8.23 says this here, And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. So, if you're a child of God and you wake up and you're groaning because the parts in your body, uh, one day we'll be redeemed from this old body. Amen? I'm looking forward to that. And uh, Philippians 3.20 says this here. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may, may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working and so on. One day, I'll have a glorified body like Christ had. I'll be suited for heaven then. Amen? And I'm looking forward to that. But, while I'm in this body, I still have an active nature of sin in it, in my flesh. Huh? That will, and by the way, that's not always bad. Since we have that, it also, if we look at it in a positive way, that allows us to demonstrate to other people that God's grace is sufficient to restrain the sin that's trying to be a part of our life. And that honors God, doesn't it? But because we are dead to sin, it is totally out of line to God who made us that we should practice sin and not live for God. That's not who we are in Christ. We are dead to sin. Now, to most of us, that doesn't register because we still have temptations. We still have sinful thoughts. We still have sinful behavior, even though we've been saved. That's frustrating, isn't it? And when we see or hear the word dead, we think sin wouldn't or shouldn't have any effect on us. Yet we realize sin is still present in us and powerful at times. Just notice this. It's we that's dead to sin and not sin being dead to us. You get that? We're dead to sin, but sin is not dead to us. Sin is alive and well in our body and in our flesh. Now, don't miss this. But 
our relationship we formerly used to have with sin is dead since we're in Christ. You get that? Again, don't assume dead means we cannot possibly be tempted by sin at all. Though we're dead, we're alive physically and spiritually, it's that we are dead to our former relationship we had with sin. When I was lost, flesh had control and overwhelmed me at times. I'm living proof of that. (laughs) I had no answers. I had no fight. I had no recourse. Flesh is it. And it controlled me. But now, since I'm in Christ, we now have a new relationship with God. And because of that relationship, we do not have to give in to sin Sin is no longer our master. Jesus Christ is. Amen? Our daily practice, daily decisions, daily details of life are to be consistent with who we are in Christ. This means we don't have to respond to sin now as we did when we were lost, Natural, the natural man receiveth not the things of God, their foolishness unto him. We don't have to respond that way. The old relationship is dead. It's been killed. It's been put to death in Christ. Also understand this, the sin in our flesh is going to deny this truth that we're dead to sin. As a matter of fact, sin is going to act as if it isn't true at all. Do you know when I was preparing this message, my flesh was screaming out, how can you say that? You have this problem here, you have that problem there. What about this, what about that? You can't say sin's dead. (laughs) That's our flesh and that's sin. But as we grow in our faith, In the word of God, we realize it's the power of grace. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. That's pretty powerful. And not only is it grace, but it's the Holy Spirit's power. It's a word's power that helps us break that controlling relationship we had with sin in our body before we were saved. Right now, in our relationship, we are dead to sin. When sin's lust and temptations occur, we are to reckon ourselves dead to sin. We are standing up and saying, we're denying sin the right to reign in our mortal body by refusing to obey its lust. The central issue for many of the Civil War was slavery. The Emancipation Proclamation, September 22, 1862, 
went into effect on January 1st, 1863. And that proclamation freed slaves in the southern states. Often it was heard from slaves. They would say, I'm free, I'm dead to slavery. Now, that wasn't saying that slavery no longer existed in the world. It meant that anyone who thought they had a right to be one's master and one his slave no longer had the legal right to put one in bondage. The slave wasn't saying, I'm dead. He wasn't saying slavery was dead. He was saying, my relationship to my former master no longer functioned. It's dead, and that's a legal fact. Slaves were liberated from any claim, obligation, right, debt that a person had over them. That relationship ended, was dead. And when you get saved and you're in Christ, your old relationship with your flesh is legally dead. That's what the Bible says. And that's what you need to believe. As believers, we're denying our flesh. We're refusing sin the right to tell us what to do. Since being saved, we have the right now to say no to our old master, the flesh and its sin. Because that relationship is over, no longer has authority over me. Because I'm a child of God. Amen? And the sooner we grasp that truth, that fact, the sooner will stop allowing the flesh's authority to try to control us. Amen? So the answer again is simple. Here comes flesh with its sins, and it wants me in certain areas of my life where I'm weak. And here it comes. But now I have the Word of God, and I know what God's Word says. Now I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me, who strengthens me. Now I have God's grace. And because of the truth that I am dead to sin and I have the Godhead's authority within me, now I'm able to say no when sin comes. Now I can deny sin's what presence from trying to control me. Because now I'm a new person in Christ. But it's always our choice. God doesn't force it on anybody. I can stay a baby Christian and just thank God for forgiveness. I'm going to heaven. Or I can dig down and become a man. A mature woman. And know what God's word says. Begin to stand on that word and that truth of what he says. That he's greater than anything in this world, including our flesh. And we can have victory over our flesh. I'm still working at it, I admit. But I look at my flesh's sins of my past coming, they are nothing like they used to be. 
Because the closer you get to the word, the closer you get in your life with Christ, the more strength and power you have when it comes. Say, I'm not going there. Uh, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Amen? Father, we love you. Thank you for truth. Thank you for the word. Thank you, your word says that our former controlling flesh no longer is part of our life, no longer is to control our life, but now we're controlled by you, the word of God, the spirit of God, the grace that you give. And we can fight this. We can defeat sin. We don't have to live in it. And may there be some believers here today that say, I'm going all the way with God this time. I'm going to get in that book. I'm going to get on my knees. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to get close and serve so that when it comes knocking at my door the next time, I'll be able to say, no, you don't. I pray that a number of us will get the victory. In Jesus' name. And everybody said. We hope that you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you to visit us in person. You can watch us live and view past services on our website at gpindy.net. For more information, please visit our website or contact us by phone. Until next week, may God richly bless you as our prayer.